This morning, we'll be studying the last few verses of chapter 1 of Hebrews. And as you know, if you've been with us, if you're not, let me give you an overview of Hebrews. The intent, um, we don't know who wrote Hebrews. We don't know who wrote Hebrews, but we know that the intent of this piece of literature is to help us value Jesus above everyone and anything in this world. The author is on a mission, and his mission is to help Help us see why Jesus is better. And so if someone asks you, what's the point of Hebrews? How you respond is, Jesus is better than anyone or anything. That's the goal. That's the purpose. And that's the aim. And so in this section, the author of Hebrews wants to show us why Jesus is vastly and entirely superior to angels. Angels. So we're going to be talking about angels this morning. Our culture has an obsession with angels, tattoos of angels are common, Hollywood loves angels, there's shows that are all about angels or shows that have angels in them. It's common for most of you to have heard, especially when someone's grieving the, um, the, the loss of a loved one, it's common for them to say something like, look, I lost a loved one, but heaven gained an angel. What about you? What are your thoughts? What's your opinion on angels? Do you believe angels exist? Or are you like, angels? Oh, it's a Hollywood thing. It's Michelangelo, his paintings. Do you believe in angels? What are your thoughts on angels? Hebrews was written to Jews who had converted to Christianity. And the reason the author of Hebrews wants to demonstrate that Jesus is superior to angels is because in those days, um, Jews had an obsession with angels. Angels were a big deal to Jews in the first century, and their obsession with angels shouldn't surprise us because uh, angels played a significant role in both the Old and the New Testament, all right? If you've read the um, Old or New Testament or the Bible at all, you will realize that angels don't show up once or a few times and make a cameo here, there, but angels show up over and over again. In fact, right, angels are mentioned over 100 times in the Old Testament and more than 160 times in the New Testament. But the interesting thing is how Jews view angels or understood angels is way more accurate than most of our culture, right? When we 
culture looks at angels, I think most of the time we lean towards angels being these chubby, lovely babies with little wings, right, with a nice little halo. But if you read the Bible and get an understanding of how Jews view angels, every time someone encountered an angel in the Bible, for example, what was their reaction? Were they like, hey, little angel, let me give you a hug? <laughs> Not at all, right? <laughs> right? They were terrified or they worshipped. Angels are mentioned over and over again in the Bible. And as Bible-believing Christians, if we want to understand what angels are like, we, we don't go to Hollywood or culture, we go to Scripture. And we realize that angels um, were, were majestic beings created by God. Um, in most cases, angels are invisible, um, when, but when they are visible, they have a human-like appearance and are often mistaken for men. Oh, gosh. Give me a sec. It's taking my time. Is someone clapping? Oh, wow, I'm doing a good job. <laughs> Screwing this thing in. I'm not going to lean on it as much. All right, where was I? Yes, so angels. That's what we were talking about, right? <laughs> Just making sure you are listening. Um, angels, <laughs> majestic winged creatures. Um, the Hebrew word for angel is malak, and the Greek is angelos. Um, the name means messenger, and so at many times and in many ways, what God did was communicate his message through not just prophets, um, but through angels as well. And so angels, you can say, are pretty awesome, and they've been involved in, in some extraordinary things. Angels are awe-inspiring spiritual beings who delivered spiritual messages and warnings from God and sometimes saved God's people from danger. And so it's no surprise that Jewish Christians regarded angels highly. But because of their fascination with angels, this is what was happening. They were, they were guilty of giving misplaced attention and worship to angels instead of Jesus Christ. And so this is why the author of Hebrews is like, look, the intent of my letter to these Christians is to show them why Jesus is better. And so in this section, I want to help them see, even though angels are awesome, I want to help them see that Jesus is superior to angels. And so he's going to do so, right? How he's going to do that is he's going to use a lot of Old Testament, okay? A lot of the content in the, in, in the verses we're going to study are from the Old, Old Testament, okay? They're quotations from the Old Testament. And what does that tell us? Just let me just stop. What does that tell us? And so that reminds us of um, the authority of Scripture, 
and why scripture is so important. And so if you are here and you're a Bible-believing Christian, whenever you're trying to prove something or help someone understand something of God or, or creation, you've got, to, you've got to root it deep in scripture. We've got to do that. We've got to be individuals who love God's word and are willing to live by God's word. And so... The author wants us to see why Jesus is better than angels. And so the first way he does that, right, is Jesus is better than angels because, this is the first point, Jesus is God's son. This is why Jesus is God's son. Look at verse 5. It says, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. This section of Hebrews obviously um, starts with two rhetorical questions. Um, like I said, they're both quotes from the Old Testament. The first is from Psalm chapter 2, and the second is from um, 2 Samuel chapter 7. And as most of you know, a rhetorical question is not meant to garner answers, okay? But it is meant to prove a point. And the point the author is trying to prove is that at no time in human history did God ever address an angel as his son or refer to himself as the father of an angel. Okay, you cannot find anywhere in the Bible where God refers to an angel as a son. But you can find in many places where God commands his angels um, to worship his son. Look at verse 6. It says, and again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. This is a quote from Psalm 97. The Greek word for the um, English word here, firstborn, is prototokos. Right? In the ancient world, Prototokos um, was associated with the firstborn offspring of either a human or an animal. Douglas J. Moo um, unpacks this a little bit more of us. He says, in the Old Testament era, a firstborn son had a special place in his father's heart, shared in the authority of the father, and inherited a large share of his property. Fast forward to the New Testament, and what you'll find is that the word prototokos, firstborn, was often associated with Jesus Christ. Therefore, God's firstborn is Jesus Christ. This means that the Son of God, who is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, is equal to God the Father. The Father and the Son share the same being. And because Jesus is the firstborn, God the Father commands his angels to worship him. In other words, it's the duty of angels to worship the Son of God, who is Jesus Christ. And the reason God the Father commands his angels to worship his son is because angels exist to serve God. Angels exist to serve God. Look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. It says, okay, verse 7 says, Of the angels, 
He, that is God, says he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. Again, this is another direct quote from the Old Testament. It's found in Psalm 104. Make a note of it and go back and read it. Um, in this psalm, give you a quick overview. In this psalm, God's dominion over the natural world is the central theme. And as a result, this section of the psalm, what it does is it emphasizes the fact that the natural world exists to bring about God's purposes. For example, right, winds, the wind is viewed as God's messengers, right? And for example, flames of fire are his servants. And so what's more interesting, if we have all of this in mind, right, is that angels are often likened to the elements of winds and flames of fire, okay? And so what we discover about angels, when he says, um, he that is God makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire, what we discover about angels, especially when they're likened to winds and flames of fire, is that angels are God's messengers and ultimately his servants. Angels are messengers and servants of God. Angels exist to worship God. And as part of their worship, it's their duty to be God's workers here on earth. How are you doing? You all right? Okay, it's a lot of information. Yeah? But it's good. I think it is. And the thing about angels is, if you look at scripture and you look at, like, incidents in which there have been angels doing the work of God, there's never been an angel that's been like, I don't want to do that. They're never like reluctant in doing God's word, work. Never reluctant. They always are enthusiastic and delight in doing God's work. Okay? Um, John Newton says this. This is brilliant. Okay? If two angels were to receive at the same moment a commission from God, one to go down and rule Earth's grandest empire, the other to go and sweep the streets of its meanest village. Meanest village. That's old school. Yeah? Yeah, old school. Meanest village. It would be a matter of entire indifference to each which service fell to his lot. The post of of ruler or the post of scavenger, for the joy of the angels lies only in obedience to God's will, and with equal joy they would lift a Nazareth, um, Nazareth in his rage, rags to Abraham's bosom, or be a chariot of fire to carry an Elijah home. And so the whole point is angels live to worship and serve God, and they do it with delight. Jesus is better than angels because angels are servants of the living God, but Jesus is the firstborn son of the living God. 
Um, Albert Muller says, the angels worship Christ. It is not Christ who worships the angels. The angels declare the birth of Christ. It is not Christ who declares the ministry of angels. The angels are not called sons, but that is the very name that Christ himself, the Davidic Messiah, has inherited. And so Jesus is superior to angels. Why? Because they're servants of the living God, and he is the son of the living God. Next, Jesus is better than angels um, because Jesus is the forever reigning king. Jesus is the forever reigning king. Last week, Queen Elizabeth II passed away. Most of you know, okay? She has ruled Britain longer than any other monarch. She's ruled England for an astonishing 70 years. When she first assumed the throne 70 years ago, she probably would never have predicted, right, that she would rule for as long as she did. Also, when she assumed the throne, she definitely wouldn't have said, I'm going to rule forever. <laughs> she understands that she's human. She understands that one day she will pass away and someone else will take the throne. No king or queen in human history has ever reigned forever. King Charles III will one day, his reign will end. He will pass away, some people are very excited about that day, <laughs> and his son, William, who we, not we, and Brits all love, You know, William will be king. Exactly. But that's the understanding. No king or queen in human history has ever reigned forever. They will always be replaced. But the Son of God, Jesus Christ, is different. What's this verse telling us? Okay? But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God... <laughs> Uh, is forever and ever, okay? It's forever and ever. And he goes on to say, the scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Many people around the world have paid tribute to the queen, and they've had nothing but good things to say about her. Rightly so. President Biden issued a statement that commemorated, commemorated her, you know, the Queen as the, a source of comfort and pride for generations of Britons. And he went on to say that she's a monarch whose rule accompanied unprecedented human advancement and the forward march of human dignity. 
great things to say about her. But there were others that said, man, she was great in so many ways, but there was, there's an ugly side, a more dark side to our lovely queen. Juliana Kim um, kind of gives us an idea of why people are thinking this way. She said, while her 70-year reign saw the British Empire become the Commonwealth nations and the decline of the United Kingdom's global influence, the scars of colonialism linger. Many note the enslavement, violence, and theft that defined imperial rule and they find it difficult to separate the individual from the institution and its history. Okay? So it's just balancing things out. Queen was lovely. We love her, but she was not perfect. No human king or queen is perfect. They all have a dark side. But the Son of God, who is the forever reigning king is different. He's perfect, and he rules and reigns his kingdom with what? With a scepter of uprightness. And his righteous rule makes sense, right? Look at verse 9. It brings it back again. It says, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. And then it goes on to say, therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness um, beyond your companions. In the ancient world, olive oil was used for a bunch of things, for cooking, lighting, skin conditioning, and medical treatments. Oil was also used to anoint a new king, priest, or prophet. Um, anointing a king with oil was one of the ways in which a king was distinguished from his peers. In the same way, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, has been anointed as king, and as a result, He's exalted above his peers, and he's not like other kings who rule and reign on a temporary basis. He's a forever reigning king who has an eternal throne, a righteous scepter, and a universal kingdom. Jesus is the forever reigning righteous king of the universe. Think of this. Think of the world's most influential leaders, okay? Or monarchs, right? Jesus is above them all. He really is. This week, as I've been studying, kind of following from last week, and Hebrews has caused us to encounter who Jesus truly is. It's crazy. Like, we sound crazy sometimes, don't we? To think that, gosh, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that guy that lived thousands of years ago, okay, this Jew, this carpenter, is God? Crazy. But 
it's true. And we believe it, not because we have it logically figured out, but we believe it because God, in his grace, through the power of his spirit, has given us new birth. It's a supernatural experience you've had. The reason why you believe and what you believe about Jesus is because God has done a miracle in your life in opening your eyes to see who Jesus truly is. It's a miracle. The reason why it's a miracle, because it sounds crazy. But it's true. Jesus is the forever reigning righteous king of the universe. Um, Look at verse 10 and 11. More about Jesus. It says, And you, um, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. Again, this is talking about Jesus' being a forever reigning king, right? And one of the things it highlights is that he laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. There are so many thoughts and opinions about how the world came into existence. A lot of opinions and a lot of thoughts. But as Christians, we believe how did the world come into being? The, the earth that we live in, how did it all come into, come into existence? It's saying there, isn't it? Jesus laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. And so Jesus is better than angels because Jesus is God's son. Jesus is superior to angels because Jesus is the forever reigning king. Lastly, Jesus is superior, better than angels, because Jesus is the only savior. Jesus is the only savior. In the ancient world, to be seated at someone's right hand was to be in a place of favor and authority. And for someone to be a footstool for your feet, if that ever happened, signified that you had defeated them and you, are now, you now have full authority over them. And so what's the answer to the question in verse 13? And to which of the angels has he, God, ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool of you? The answer is none. There's no literature out there, human history, that has quoted God ever saying that to an angel. No angel in human history has ever had this privilege. No angel has ever been addressed like that. Angels are awesome. But no angel has ever been addressed in that way because no angel has ever deserved such acclamation. 
but Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has. Jesus Christ, in fulfillment of the Messianic prophecy of Psalm 110, has heard these words, and he's now seated at the right hand of God the Father until all his enemies are subdued. And when we think about Hear scripture talk about Jesus sitting at the right hand of God and everything. Obviously, we understand it to mean that he's equal with God and everything. But let's not mistake, let's not make the mistake to think that he's just chilling. He's like, look at my throne. I'm just chilling at God's right. No. That signifies authority. That signifies authority, that he has all authority. Because Jesus has full authority doesn't mean angels are useless and are no longer needed. Angels are still actively involved in God's work here on earth. Look at verse 14. It says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? It's basically what angels are doing. And their purpose is angels may not possess the status of Jesus, but they're still involved in God's work here on earth as his ministering spirits who are sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. Angels exist to render service on behalf of the Son of God for the benefit of the saints. Behind the scenes, in an unseen world that our physical eyes cannot see, God is at work, and he is at work through angels for the benefit of his people. To this day, Jesus Christ, the forever reigning king of the universe, continues to dispatch his angels to help God's people. And I know for sure, some of you in this room have encountered angels. Or you know someone who's had an experience with angels. There's a ton of stories out there of people that have. Let me give you an example of one. On a dark night about 100 years ago, a Scottish missionary um, couple found themselves surrounded by cannibals. On that terror-filled night, the couple fell to their knees and prayed that God would protect them. It was a horrible time. Um, with their prayers, the missionaries heard the cries of the savages and imagined them coming through the door to take their lives. As the sun began to rise, the natives were retreating into the forest. They were surprised by this. The natives who were hungry and wanted to get them, and they started retreating into the forest. The missionaries were absolutely amazed and filled with joy. Their hearts soared to God. It was a day of rejoicing, and the couple bravely continued their work. A year later, 
the chief of the tribe was saved. As the missionary spoke with him, he remembered um, the horror of that night and asked the chief why he and his men had not killed them. The chief replied in surprise, who were all those men who were with you? The missionary answered, there were no men with us. It was just my wife and I. The chief began to argue with him, saying, there were hundreds of tall men in shining garments with drawn swords circling about your house. That's why we retreated. That's why we never attacked you. The missionary was like, it was just my wife and I. I promise. This is one of many stories where Jesus, the Son of God, who is the forever reigning righteous king, has dispatched his angels for the protection and the benefit of his church. God loves us so much that he sends his angels to guard, guide, and protect us through various stages of our lives. Angels have and continue to do some extraordinary things. They are powerful creations of God who have delivered important messages, right? Accompanied people who are lonely and, and just rescued and protected God's people. Angels have been used by God to do extraordinary things. But the reason why Jesus is better than angels, the reason why Jesus is more superior to angels, it's not because just because he's the son of God and he's the forever reigning thing. But one of the main reasons Jesus is better than angels is because angels may provide for our physical needs, but it's only Jesus who has provided for our spiritual needs. No angel has ever atoned for the sins of humanity. Put simply, angels can serve us, but they cannot save us. Through his perfect life, sinless life, through his excruciating suffering, through his sacrificial death on the cross, and through his victorious resurrection over death, Jesus Christ made salvation available for everyone everywhere who stops living for themselves and starts living for him. Jesus is better than angels because he's not only the son of God, but he's also the savior of the world. That's why even angels live to serve and worship him. There are a ton of examples, especially in Revelation, where angels are worshiping Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. 
Angels are pretty awesome. But put them next to Jesus and they pale in comparison. Angels may have communicated God's message, but Jesus communicated God's being. Jesus is worth, worthy of our worship, but angels are not. And so, the question for you is, how do you view Jesus now? How have you been viewing Jesus Um, David Guzik said this, lesser things, if allowed more focus, take a bigger place than the greater and more important things. And so as a Christian, the question is, what or who have you allowed to become more valuable and more majestic to you than Jesus Christ it's a simple question. And I hope that as we study Hebrews, when you are exposed to just how glorious Jesus is, you wouldn't leave saying, uh, that was just some cool stuff. But you would leave praying and pleading with God to open up the eyes of your heart so you may truly see who Jesus is. Put anyone or anything, even angels, next to Jesus and they pale in comparison to Jesus. They absolutely do. And so King's Cross Church, enough is enough. Enough of being satisfied with all the world has to offer us. We'll never be satisfied. May we run hard after knowing and savoring and treasuring Jesus for sure. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. for helping us see your son in the right way. And so as we sing, as we celebrate what he's done, who he is, God, I pray that may the application be that we would leave desiring to know Jesus more. Because Jesus is enough. He is superior. Not just to angels. But he's superior to anyone. Or anything in this world. Help us see this Lord. In his name we pray. Amen.